Um, I'm Pastor Corey. If we haven't met, that's my wife, Pastor Aaron there. And uh, I like your little jumper that you're wearing today. Speaking of final kicks at the can, uh, it's Scott's birthday. When you get to be Scott's age, and you don't look a day under 60, you're glad that the hope of heaven is there for you. You got one foot in that door, buddy. Have you been enjoying our sermon series called Weird, uh, by the way? Uh, just It's weird um, weird Bible passages that are weird because they're about uh, weird uh, church people. And so um, so we're, it's, been, it's been kind of a fun series. Uh, if you listened to last week's message or you were here, um, I talked about Pastor Aaron putting me off salt for a year. You know the funny thing? I forgot to mention last week, but she, she reads books about salt now. And her, she's all about putting salt in food now. And don't pray for her. Pray for somebody that's got to live with somebody that's crazy like that. I'm not complaining because I get salt now and I'm quite happy about that. Um, you have to go back and listen to that. Um, what are you all doing on Wednesday, like at 7 o'clock? First Wednesday, right here at the church. We have child care. In fact, we have uh, child programs and stuff uh, or something going on going to be awesome. Uh, that is a night, if you've never been to a first Wednesday, it's like this, but like more so. We get to, we get to kind of dig in to some uh, f- funner, deeper stuff. I get to say stuff that maybe doesn't go online, so I can say, you know. Um, but also, it's just a time of more ministry, more, um, I-, I think God unlocks things on, on first Wednesdays that um, we can't quite get to on Sunday mornings, because we always have an eye for a visitor in our house. If you're new to Venue Church, come and meet us, by the way. Uh, we would love to, to meet you. Um, we're also going to take up communion at First Wednesday. Now, you're always welcome to go to the side there and take it afterwards or get prayed for after the service. Um, but that is where we kind of do it as a church family. So um, next week also is our street party here. So invite your neighbors and invite kids out to that. So it's Airdrie Fest and then it's our street party here. We have a churro truck coming, y'all. So if that doesn't get your neighborhood men there, I don't know what's going to do it. So uh, And we have all sorts of other stuff happening that's going to just be awesome. Um, now, I want you to, to uh, welcome some friends of mine. Um, these are, are Nigerians who have moved to Ottawa, and they're planting a church in Ottawa. You need to meet that, that man, by the way. Um, and, um, and these are my friends. Uh, Pastor and I are friends. We've been hanging out with them all weekend. They're planting a church in Ottawa and the next year. Their names are Pastor Dio. And I just... What? Shit. Shit. Come on, Nigerians, help me out. Where are my Nigerians at? They're all at the late service. Of course they are. Okay. They love it. They love it. Um, <laughs> these guys are going to do something incredible. And come on, Calgary area. Ottawa needs some Jesus. We've been watching Ottawa a long time, and Ottawa needs Jesus. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. So uh, we love being able to help them. You know, in our church plan here, uh, we, didn't, we didn't know what we were doing, and it was hard. And we would have uh, loved to have a weekend like uh, we've been able to do. You've been able, because of your generosity, to be able to help them with um, just with the church plan. So anyways, um, thanks, Sean. You know, I was thinking it takes me back to the early days of church planting, which were awful mostly, but where God also did some pretty incredible miracles. And um, in the early days, you know, of a church plant, you, you, we're, we're about a six-year-old church now, but you, you have to... 
decide some things. You know, you have to decide what your church cares about and what your church doesn't care about. And, you know, in most churches, um, a lot of you didn't grow up in church at all. And so this is all kind of new. But if you grew up in church culture, you know that if I asked 100 people in church what they thought their church was about and who they thought it was for, you'd get 100 answers. You know, and some of your grandparents and parents... Because you can't have a hundred different visions. You know, what's that called when you have more than one vision in your home? Division, right? And so you have churches that were, nobody knew what the church was for and who it was for and how you're supposed to function and who gets to do what to who and how, you know. And so some of your parents and some of your grandparents came out of a generation that got kind of bitter because, you know, church culture was like super divided. And so I'm actually doing a, a series called Church in the Wild next. That we're going to be like, <laughs> it's a series where we're like, hey, Jesus, what do you think, who do you think your church is for? <laughs> we're smart. Because it might not be the assumption that you've grown up with in church if you grew up with, or maybe you looked in from the outside of church and you realized, well, these people are really divided. This doesn't make any sense to me. And so uh, it's just going to be a series where we really talk about uh, how we started Venue Church and, and what it is that we care about. It starts with this phrase, a life saved is worth everything. Yeah. Now, if you don't get that, we're going to annoy you. It's just going to be annoying. We're like, come on, you got to give, you got to serve, you got to. Why? Because one adoption is worth everything to us. And if you're one of those church people that are like, I'm just here to, you know, increase my, the betterment of my life somehow. We're like, yeah, but nobody cares. Like health is a byproduct of mission. And when you're living your life on mission and purpose. Oh yeah. So anyways, um, all right. So this is the last sermon of the weird series. It'll be the last weird sermon I preach. promise. <laughs> you have the loudest laugh. I'm loving you, Schubert. Okay. Um, y'all need to laugh like Eric over there. I just get a great kick out of that. I love it. Um, this uh, sermon is called Death uh, During Donation. <laughs> so it's like, it's like in the early church in Jerusalem, during the offering time, you know, in the, in the, now we give online, and so there's a QR code, and, you know, everybody emails transfers um, when we're supporting the church and God's house. Uh, back then, though, you, we used to pass the plates around. You remember the plates? And as a kid, you're like, I could use, no. You know, <laughs> your mom's like, if you do, you die. If you. And so we passed the plates around, but that would take, you know, five or seven minutes. So you'd have to do something in church. So normally it would be um, kind of an awkward solo that somebody would sing or piano solo or something. You remember that? The church culture? Well, during the offering time in the early Jerusalem church, somebody brings actually a big offering to the church, and God kills them. So, kind of during the offering time, I'll explain it. You'll see it. I'm taking some liberty there. There was something inside of this couple, though, Ananias and Sapphira, that was so deadly that if it got into the congregation, it was going to hurt them, too. It's something that, because you grew up in Canada, you don't think is a big deal. So, as I'm talking about this, you're going to be like, well, that's, not a, that's just how we are, right? Um, it was such a surprise to them when it happened that they didn't even see it coming. But it was something that was so, if it transferred into other people, so God had to re literally remove them um, from the church scenario. So, um, so I'm going to open with this question here because I got to soften it up for you because you're not really going to agree with the sermon. <laughs> so let me ask you this. How badly, how badly do you need somebody to like you? Like how badly do you need that? Or 
you know, my personality, I'm like, I, I don't really care if people like me, but I need to be respected, right? So that's how I would say that, like, okay, I'll settle for respect. How badly do I need you to respect me? Um, now, on the other side of that, you know, your personality, you might just be kind of contrary, and they're like, I don't care if anybody likes me. Well, I'm like, well, then you have no friends, and that's not fun either. So, so that's not great. But, but I'm saying, how badly do you need people to like you? The Word of God says the fear of man is a snare. Um, how much regret in your life can be tied back because you are trying to impress somebody? Get somebody to like you. Get somebody to accept you into their group. You know, when we came here, our kids went to, uh, and still are in public school. My little girls are going into high school, and I'm just like, how is this possible? And if anybody hurts her, you're going to die, all of you. <laughs> Realizing I should have kept that in my head. <laughs> Whatever, I love my kids, I love my kids. But this, you know, in how badly do you want people to like you in high school? I, uh, I talked to the principal of the high school that our kids now go to, and he said, you know, the most accepting group at, at school is the, is the kids that do drugs. They're the most accepting group there, right? So it's the easiest group to get into. But he said the good kids all find each other. Good youth group kids. Good. How badly, what sense of obligation got you down that road into the sin that you regret now and into the fractured life because that's what sin does it separates you fractures you what kind of sense of obligation do you carry around with you i mean some of you because i know you when you're interacting with your husband there's an image of your mom in your head still a sense of obligation or how your mom used to I mean, it's this weird thing. You're carrying around somebody who's not even with us anymore. And you're running it through the filter of what they would like and what they wouldn't like. I mean, what is that? There's something wrong with... Um, now, the devil would love to be your dad. And he is, if God is not your father. He is. You're born into that family. You don't have to stay there. That's why Jesus came, so he could adopt you. And that adoption costs a lot. It costs the blood of the son of the living God. But the devil would love to be your dad. But if he can't be your dad, he'll settle for getting you to try to get people to like you. He'll settle for it. When Arwen went into high school, I remember walking into high school in those early days. And I'm like, these kids are so cool. I'm like, I would be intimidated going in here. And I don't care about teenagers. I would be like, oh my, what are they wearing? You know, it's intimidating, that sense of how badly do you care what somebody thinks? You know, I was in a, in a Nike outlet store, because I have a shop clearance, in, a, in Birmingham. And I had a, a, a gentleman ask me, there's stores full of people, and he's like, how do these shoes look on me? And I said, well, I don't know if you want my opinion, because I don't really dress like everybody in Birmingham. I'm not really from here, right? So we went into eat barbecue there, and all the guys are wearing khakis and button-up shirts. And I'm like, does everybody work at a church here? You know? I'm like, it's just weird, you know, and it's not how I dress. And I said, I don't really dress from, from here. You know, I was wearing something like I'm wearing now. And he goes, oh, that's why I'm asking you, because you dress good. 
He said it. I didn't say it. Um, then he said, how do these shoes look on me? And then he says, did they make my body look too big? And I'm like, thinking, you know, because I'm Canadian, I'm not going to tell him what I think, but I'm thinking, eh, your body didn't look bigger than your shoes until you said that. And now, now I'm seeing it. Yeah, it's really tiny feet, right? I'm thinking, how badly do you want, like, a stranger who I'm never going to see him again? I'm going back to Canada, you know. Um, how, about, how about when you hang around the, the rich moms at, at school? You know, we live in Coopers, and there's, like, rich moms there whose kids go to Disneyland four times a year. And you're like, my kids are never going to Disneyland. Because <laughs> I won't go to Financial Freedom Group and get my finances on track at Venue Church. Okay, that starts up in January, I'm just saying. Um, what do you like when you're with them? You trying to impress them? You care what they think? What do you like in the grocery store when your kid needs discipline? You know, is who in the aisle? Does that affect you more than what your kid needs in that moment? You know, you got the pinup mom who's never really had kids, probably a robot. <laughs> doesn't wash the dishes, doesn't do anything that real moms, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, like, who are you trying to impress? How about when you're around like hypochondriacs? That's a big word, millennials. Everybody's phone just like hypochondriacs. Uh, H and younger than millennials because y'all can't spell. H, the letter three, the number H. You know what I'm saying? Hypochondriacs are when you talk yourself into being sick. You ever been around somebody who talks themselves into being sick? They're just sick all the time. If they're not sick, they'll make up something. They'll like, they will literally, and then what are you like when you're around them? You start feeling, your nose start running? <laughs> my, my wife, Pastor Erin, I love Pastor Erin, but she's very empathetic. And so if I like ever, and this is about how much a coke complains about something. I'm like, man, my shoulders hurt. What I mean by that is like, I can't lift my arm anymore. And an hour later, guess who's got shoulder pain? Should talk about it the rest of the day. Man, my shoulder. I can't even move my shoulder right now. And I'm like, you can't just pick up somebody else's injury. Like, that doesn't make me feel close. You're just stealing on my thunder here. I hung out with somebody one time. And I realized in reviewing that conversation, I realized I became somebody that I didn't like. And I didn't even particularly like this person. I became somebody that I thought they would like by complaining and kind of scoring points off of other people. Then I realized, I don't, do, I don't need to do that. I'm not insecure. Why would I do that? Then I realized, oh, because I thought they'd like it. I had a, a, a foreman. I, I used to be an electrician. Um, and I had a, a foreman of the shop. So we'd do, like, jobs wherever it was, in town, out of town. So we'd have crews. But the foreman of the shop, uh, one of the customers came in and accused him of uh, lying about something. Which is hilarious because he lied about everything all the time. I mean, he was the biggest liar I ever met, you know. And he was talking to me and he's like shaking. He's so, he's outraged because somebody had the nerve to call him a liar. And I'm listening to his like rant about this customer and I'm thinking, he doesn't even know. He doesn't, he built a projection of himself that he believes. He has no idea that he lies all the time. He's lying about the customer, saying that he's lying. I'm like, there's something in this human condition. And I realized he's made a, a projection, and today we're going to talk about masks. 
Now, a mask is what we create, normally when you're young, to find connection. So, you with me? Everybody's got one. Or a few. Masks are sort of weird. Um, I, I brought, it's like, I'll be this around you so you like me. Right? So I got this mask. Um, I don't know if this is like an anarch mask or from a movie that's, you know, a terrible movie and I'm a terrible person. I don't know. But I'm like, you know, we're like, I don't think that I'll be accepted unless you grew up in a great home. I don't think I'll be accepted uh, with this group or you grew up in a great home and you want to belong to a group that you shouldn't belong to. So it's like, I, I don't know if I'll be accepted unless I maybe... Can you hear? Can, I don't feel like you can hear me anymore. Wouldn't you know it? Okay. This is even weirder. I can't see anything. It's like those paintings in those old haunted houses where the eyes move. Well, this is getting weird. Okay. So just pretend it's on my face. You all have masks. You have good imaginations. So it's like, who do you want me to be? Here. In fact, what we do is because we're insecure and we don't know who we are in Jesus, we're like, we hand them paintbrushes and paint, and we're like, hey, why don't you just paint on here what you want me to be? And um, you create this, kind of this other version of yourself, and um, churches do this too, by the way. Some churches, you know, you come to a church, and, and um, it's like, who do you want us to be? You know? oh, what do you want me to preach about? That's not this church. If that's what you're looking for... You will, this will be a disappointing experience for you. Um, but we can do that, right? Like, what do you, you get married and you're like, okay, so what do you want me to be? That's not the same thing as being who you need to be. Well, what do you want me to be? What do you want me to be? Um, there's only one person that can really answer that, and that's God, because he doesn't want anything from you. He just wants everything for you. And he's got the ability and the purity, and he's always good, and he's never, you know. It's like I go to the job site. All the job boys, I mean, release the junior high idiot and tell dirty jokes. You know, it's like, I can do that. You know, come on, guys. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. It's like, I can do that. I can tell dirty jokes. I can, uh, I can hang around wives that complain about their husbands. I can complain about my husband. You know, too soon. I can spend money I don't have. I can do that. I can... Try to appear logical and competent, even though that's not really the way God made me. But I can appear this way just to impress my dad. But what if God made you intuitive? That's not bad. That's great. It's beautiful. Now, here's the problem. You know, I can go to church. I can look like I'm supposed to, like these people. Or like, I can do church drama. Church people problems, man. Somebody asked, like, what's a church people problem? I'm like, it's like regular people problems, but super tiny. <laughs> church people, like drama, I can do that. I can get upset about something that doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> now, it's easier to work on your mask than it is to work on yourself. It's easier to splash paint on this than feel disappointment when you give in to temptation. That's hard to do when you're like, oh, now you got to face a person. You just did it again, and you're just like, oh, I can... Tell you what, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna splash some paint on it. It's easier to paint over pimples than stop drinking pop. 
That spoke to several people very deeply. <laughs> a little paint does wonders, you know. Um, a little paint, like, yeah, it's not really sin. Um, or you're, you're in a lot of pain. You just paint something else on. Like, I just got, I just got to hold it together. For, I'm just going to paint this on here. <laughs> Holding it together is good, but not all the time. You got to have a place you can come where you can just like, oh, I'm hurting. I don't know what to do. I'm in pain. The trouble before you sell a mask to somebody else, though, is that you have to sell it to a person first who's a major player in all of this, and that's you. Now, that's not hard to do. This is called self-deception. Self-deception is something, now, can I just, is God all-powerful? Yes. But he will not go past your choice in your life. So, human choice. That's why the world is broken, because he gave Adam and Eve a choice. He gives you a choice. Do you want to love him or hate him? What do you want to do? So, when you're self-deceived, who can save you? Because you're doing it to yourself. You've chosen to do it to yourself. Right? It's the worst type of deception. And, and I have to look in a mirror and put a mask on. At first, I know that it's not me. I know that it's not real. I know that it's just the easy way out. The Word of God says, he who, who hears the Word of God but doesn't go out and do it, it's like looking at your face in a mirror and then going out and forgetting what you look like. Because when you do the Word of God, it's like, oh, it just forces this mask off. But what happens in church is we get so good at this mask that we hear the Word of God. You might read the Bible. You might come to church and hear a sermon, but you don't go out and do it. And then you take your mask with you because you forgot what you really looked like. That's not really you. Out of this thing of like, well, if I'm me, I'm going to get rejected. I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be like, stop it. The church isn't even allowed to hate you. We're not allowed to. Dad won't let us. If he loves us and saves us and forgives us, what do you think we're going to do to you? You are loved. You are accepted. We don't even know you. And you're like, I've got problems. We're like, we know. You don't got problems. Chad's got problems. He's serving somewhere. It's always easy to take it out on Chad. Now, here's the, here's the best case scenario. The best case scenario, even for the best mask, is that you get somebody to connect with it. Now, this is the problem, y'all. You got married and you put this... You know the easiest place to wear a mask is when you're dating. Like, I know what napkins are. <laughs> like, this is how my car looks all the time. You had sandwiches buried in that seat yesterday. I knew a guy, he rented a car on his first date because he's like, she can't see this. He just rented a car. I don't know what you do on the second date. Do you rent the same car? You've got to go buy the car now. He's like, yeah, no, this is totally like, this is how I live. This is me. <laughs> Anybody change your behavior after dating? Yeah, you did. <laughs> then it gets real, y'all. I didn't ask Pastor Aaron if I could share this. <laughs> the other morning we wake up and I'm, you know, I'm like, hey, what's up? You know what she says? Your breath stinks. <laughs> well, somebody had to eat the beef jerky at 2 a.m. I mean, it's just sitting there. I didn't really, you know, I mean, like, it gets real after. 
You can put this thing on and impress it. That's not who you are. You know what? It actually works for a while. It actually works for a while. And it makes a little bit of peace. Until you wake up and you say, I don't feel connected. Then you get mad at him or you get mad at her because you're like, I don't feel connected to you. No, well, you're the one who made the mask. In fact, what you did was you made a mask and then you made a decision for them. Ready? That's like, you could never love who I really am. So I'm going to make this other version of myself. And you can connect with that person. And then you get mad at them. And then they woke up to find out that this was all a game to you. And they're like, who are you? And why didn't I know about this person first? And why would you make that decision for me that I wouldn't love you and, and forgive you? And want to live with you? Why would you make that decision for somebody else? It's like saying you're not even capable of loving the real me. Listen, if they don't have a choice, it's not love. If they don't even have a choice, you don't even give them a choice, it's not love. Listen, if it's not painful, it's not love. If there's no pain, if there's no possibility of betrayal, there's nothing, and it's all safe, and it's all measurable, and it's, all, it's not love. You think that God loving you isn't painful to him? Oh, that shut you up. You're like, hey, love shouldn't be in pain. You're Canadian. That's the only reason you think that. <laughs> of course love is painful. Of course living in a family hurts. If it's not pain, you can't just numb it. You can't just like, well, I'm only going to feel love. No. It hurts sometimes. That's why in our small groups, we're like, hey, this is the place where it's like, hey, take the mask off. We're just like, oh, that's nice. I used to wear that one like that. We're just like, hey, why don't we just like, it's okay. You know, it takes a little while to get used to people. And they're like, you're just like, uh, here's what's really going on. You know, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what hurts right now. Here's where I'm not getting it right. Here's some, would you celebrate with me? You know, we, we actually take the mask off in there. Here's who I really am. Um, and church people, like, we're the best at making masks. And by the best, I mean the worst. We had friends one time in my dad's church that she was on uh, the membership there. I don't know how, because she never did anything. Her mom was a church member of my dad's who like sacrificially gave and time and resources. And she was a church member, devoted member of that church. And the daughter got it kind of shuffled in as a child. And so she was now a church member, but she never gave a cent in all her years of being there. And her husband, you know, eventually and kids came to the church and, you know, I had single moms. Where's Cassie at? I had single moms like, at the church, at dad's church, like paying for them to go to Sunday school, basically. So we had a membership meeting, and I, and I mentioned, I'm like, yeah, but he, he can't be here because he's not a member. And they called Pastor Aaron up later that day because I was working and helping my dad as a volunteer in the church. And they called Pastor Aaron up that day, and, and they were super angry. And they're like, well, why isn't he allowed to be at church? Well, or at, at the membership meeting and make decisions and stuff like that. And she's like, imagine, because they played hockey, imagine, imagine... Your kid playing hockey and the single mom's paying for the ice time and you want to be in charge of the hockey team and you never pay a cent. And you make more than nearly everybody else and you won't pay a cent. Imagine that's what... And I realized that's the same problem in the church culture here that we see in Jerusalem. 
It's like, I want to be a part of something, but I don't want to pay. It's like a dad in the home being like, I love my family, but you never pay the bills. No, you don't. Love is. Love does. They valued something dangerous that I realized was a massive problem and a massive hang-up for them. Now, Acts chapter 4, there was no needy people among them. This is the early church. Like, this is the early church plant days. Like, y'all, Pastor Dio, I hope you don't need people to like you because they are going to hate you. And the devil's going to hate you, and you're going to save a bunch of people. You'll, get, you'll be loved, but you'll be hated. There was no needy people among them, because those who own lands or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Amen. Scriptural. Everybody sell your stuff. <laughs> for instance, this is in the, in the early days. Um, for instance, there was uh, Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. You know about Barnabas and Paul? And the missionary journeys and the churches they started. What was the first we hear? He was from the tribe of Levi and came from Cyprus. He sold a field and he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, this is not where you tithe and bring a tenth. We bring a tenth of our income to the Lord and give it to his church to save and adopt people in our city. And we also feed the poor and we do a lot of things with that uh, as a church. Now, this, this, these are devout Jews that we're talking about here. So... So when he sells a field, uh, he gets to do whatever he wants to with it, right? So because it's already been, the tenth has already been given on anything that would have gone into the field or his father paid. So this, he sells a field and he brings the whole thing and he's just like, we're doing a great work. Let's go, you know. Uh, but there was a certain man, you ready? Named Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was a full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So that word is translated means he misappropriated it, meaning he said it was going to do this, but it did this. Then Peter said, Ananias, why do you let Satan fill your heart? What? I'm going to tee this up for you here. You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. He's saying, that mask, that mask wasn't just to deceive your church friends. The only reason you make a mask is so you can deceive God too. He's like, you think God doesn't see past this? You think that this means anything to him? No. no is right. Amen. <laughs> Masks are an attempt to hide who you really are from God. Because that's what you're worried about. That a holy father would love somebody like you. You know what? That's his decision. You can't make a decision. Don't make a fake version of yourself and come to church. You got to let him decide whether he loves or hates you. You know, the Sunday school version of that is just like, well, he'll love me. If you grew up in a broken home where love wasn't the foundation, you don't know that. It's scary. It's scary when I go and pray and I'm like, God, what do you think about that sermon? I don't know. I don't know if I got it right. I worked hard. I don't know if I got it right. Masks are an attempt to hide who you really are from God. Because you naturally think you're smarter than the people you lie to. They'll believe a lie. Oh, Canadian culture. We never call it. You sit there and somebody's complaining about something stupid and making up stuff. And you don't say anything. They think you're smarter than you are. So they'll keep talking. I built a mask that you believed. The property, he says, was yours to sell or not sell. He's like, do whatever you want with it. After selling it, the money was yours to give away. Make, go buy tacos. It's your money. You didn't need to give it. You don't need to say you gave it. You can do whatever you want with it. 
How can you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as he heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up and wrapped him in a sheet and took him off and, and out and buried him. So if you grew up in church reading this, you're like, oh, okay, that happened. That was normal. Okay. So it's team night here on a Saturday night. Now, anybody wants to kickstart their spiritual life, the fastest spiritual growing people come to team night on six o'clock on Saturday nights. It's where we serve and where I do little behind the scenes teachings. So, um, so team night, I'm in my office, you know, Peter's in his office and somebody comes in and they're like, Hey, we got a big donation to give. And they come into the office and then a couple minutes later, you know, Layton and Jesse are outside the door because they need something from pastor and they hear this like, so I knock on the door. They're like, hey, pastor, we got a question about. <laughs> Do you have friends who will dispose of a body for you? <laughs> yeah, that's why you join a small group in case something goes real bad, y'all. I mean, friends who will be like, <laughs> we will go and dig the most important hole of our lives right now. <laughs> Nate Bargatze, you got to watch him. He's a Christian comedian. I'm like, this literally happens. And they carry Ananias out. Three hours later, because there's no cell phones and there's no social media, his wife comes in. And they're just like, no, <laughs> I'm like, hey, have you tried the coffee? Um... Peter said, was this a price? Yeah, she said, that was the price. Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? And like Jesse and Layton are outside and they're going to carry you out too. I mean, this is, watch this. Instantly she falls to the floor and dies. They buried her beside her husband. You know, I, I read a, a commentary uh, written by a woman and she said, too many women hide behind their husbands. I'd say in the church, too many husbands hide behind their wives. You're going to stand before God. She's like, well, it was my husband. He's in charge. I guess he wanted to. Oh, you are a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You're responsible. You don't let that stuff go on in your home. It says, great fear gripped the entire church. Everyone else who heard it, what had happened. And the church shrunk and Facebook went crazy and everybody canceled him. <laughs> we have some school teachers in the house. I love you guys. I don't know how you guys do it these days, but God is with you. Yeah. Now, yet more and more people believed, oh, and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women, as a result of the apostles' work. You ready? Sick people were brought into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they passed by. Because the shadow of Peter with the Spirit healed them. Watch. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Why? Because they finally came to church without a mask on. They're like, this is what's going on. I've been struggling with lust for years. I've been struggling because of a family line thing with lying. And they finally came to church and they're like, we're sick. We're diseased. We're sinful. But this is who we are. Can you do anything about it? And great power was poured out and lives were changed. But there's something about that other thing you've got to understand. That mask, you don't get to wear one of these here. Why would you? We don't even value them here. 
We don't even care about them. You want us to think well of you? Do something hard. Say something that matters. I don't think I'm a good dad. Well, that'll get some respect around you. I don't think I'm a good wife. I need some help. I don't know what to do with my money. I, I keep doing the same sin over and over again. I need some help. That's what we value in the house of God. The truth shall set you free. If you wear a mask, you don't care about your kids. You only care that people think you know what you're doing. It's easy to work on the mask. Why don't you work on yourself? Why don't you become a better parent? Why don't you talk to somebody who's got great kids in their 20s? So what'd you do? What am I doing wrong? person one time and the argument got so wild and weird and I finally said am I being pumped is this on TV because I'm like there's only two of us here and I know that that didn't happen and you know that that didn't happen who's the show for you know what I realized the show was for their mask they created a version of themselves that they had to defend they created an idol that looked like them but wasn't them you were made in the image of God not in the image of you you worship God you don't worship an idol of yourself and try to impress that idol will demand sacrifice of everybody that you love just be who you are God's bigger than who you are 